Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show. You're on with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am so enthusiastic about today. I have a great program in store for you. We're going to be talking about the Amish, where men can be men. We have a former person who lived in the Amish community and was a member, and uh, we're going to talk about what makes men be men and how they retain that um, despite all the American culture to the contrary these days. It seems like, um, you know, it's a community that endorses and embraces manhood, which is also what I try to teach uh, uh, my listening audience. I'm not saying that I'm endorsing the uh, Amish lifestyle, but it's something to look at. Let's look at what makes it work and what makes our American culture not work. Why, why is there a breakdown in manhood? We're going uh, to uncover these issues and more. So before we get into today's topic, um, if you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking about uh, consent. Um, does consent work? We were talking about the prevalent rape culture that um, is is uh, is affecting young twenty year old women, primarily women who are going to college actually, and they've sort of been brainwashed to cry rape when it's not even rape. I mean, a lot of these young women to either save face or you know I don't even know what they're motivating motivating reasons are, but they are crying rape when nothing of the sort is happening. And while they're waiting for the trial to occur, you know, it might take one year, two years, whatever whatever it is. And meanwhile, this guy has been thrown in jail. He's got a record now. Um, you know, it's going to take a long time to unring that bell for being accused of a crime, a serious crime at, at that, that he's not guilty of. So he probably had mutual consent at the onset, but you know what? Four hours went by, the next day went by, the next week went by, and her peers started talking to her. And just to sort of erase the whole chalkboard, she cries rape. So we, t- we were talking about, you know, does consent work? What are the do's and don'ts of uh, going to bed with uh, these young women who've been brainwashed to cry rape when it's really not rape? All right. So if you happen to have missed last week's show, very easy to find. All you have to do is go to Google SoundCloud, the Men's Advocate Show. Google SoundCloud, the Men's Advocate Show, and you can listen to this program as well as any and all of the programs that you might have missed in our archives. We're also on the TuneIn app. Same thing. Go to Google, TuneIn, the Men's Advocate Show, and you'll be able to find me pretty easily on the TuneIn app, too, on demand. Okay, so let's hop back into today's topic. We're talking about, we're talking about a place um, in the country, in the Northeast, where men are men, we're going to learn from my guest, Fritz Arts Springmeyer, who uh, actually was uh, in this community for a number of years, um, four years to be exact, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his experience. Now, Fritz went through the whole process of taking instruction and joining as the Amish speak a German dialect in their communities. He learned two different German dialects to be a full member. So um, as teenage boys come into their own, uh, they go through a rite of passage and, and they learn what they have to learn. Then they become baptized, uh, baptized into the church and Fritz will tell us a little bit more about about that process uh, in his uh, in his talk with us in just a moment. So he was active in the Amish community for about four years. Uh, prior to this, he grew up in Nepal from ages about six to eleven. So he's got a very storied and interesting background. I think we're going to learn a lot from him today. Um, he was a West Point cadet. Uh, for two years, so that brought like a whole wealth of uh, information and knowledge and how to be a man. So I think uh, we can look to a lot of what he has to say to learn more about this dynamic, um, how to how to get the job done versus the crazy American culture that's going on today that is feminizing our men. Aside from this topic. 
Fritz is a Christian author who wrote a seven-book series on the Illuminati explaining the who, what, how, and when of their tactics. So that's a juicy topic, too. Maybe I'll have him on um, maybe later in the program. Not today, but later in the program, and we'll talk about <laughs> all of their antics and what the globalists are up to. I'm sure he can give us an earful on that topic as well. So now let me introduce my guest, Fritz. Welcome to our program. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Linda, and hello to all your listeners. All right. Oh, by the way, um, you can find Fritz's books on his website. Go to pentracks.com. That's pentracks.com, like, like a writing pen, tracks.com. By the way, I'll put that link on my Facebook fan page. Any and all links that we talk about during the show, of course, as usual, I'll put the links on the Facebook fan page so it'll be easy and convenient convenient for you. My listening audience, if you haven't already done so, go to my Facebook fan page. Very easy. Same name as the show. Just Google uh, Facebook, The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Um, in the upper right-hand corner, hit like page and then hit it a second time to allow notifications. And once a week, you will be informed of what the topics are, who the guests are, and like I say, these referral links will all be there for your convenience. So it'll be nice and easy. All right. So um, just in a quick minute, we have a minute before break. Uh, Fritz, just tell us a little bit about why you wanted to get involved in the Amish community. What was the compelling reason? There were a whole long list of compelling reasons. One thing is I put a, uh, I created a list of 50 scriptural reasons why I was joining the Amish, but but one reason that I didn't put on that list was I wanted to understand where our culture had gone wrong, and there were a whole bunch of issues that I would try to talk to my fellow cadets at West Point about, you know, because I just, I was really disturbed that our culture, our society had gotten off track, and I was like, you know, if I want to find out where we went wrong, where we got, where we got off track, I need to go back. And and I felt like going to the Amish who lived like the, in the 19th century with horses and buggies. One of the things that that would do would be allow me to understand what United States used to be like before and where we went wrong. Very good points indeed. So we're going to talk more about um, what our origins were, why it worked well back then for our country, and how it's not working now. We're going to look at the family structure. We're going to look at the value, or I should say today, the devalue of men. Um, and we're going to compare all those notes. So uh, stay with us. If you've just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. If you want to chime in on this topic and ask a question or, or have a comment, call us at 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. We'll catch you right back after the break. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, 
men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with the Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross, on KMET 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today, we are talking about where men are men. We're going to learn from the Amish community uh, with my guest today, Fritz Springmeier. He's going to talk to us about uh, the Amish community. He was um, a member, an active member, a full member there for about four years. And we're going to go over what he's learned and try to compare it to today's society and see what we can gain from that. So, um, Fritz, you were talking a little bit about uh, also going to uh, West Point. West Point is one of my one of our most honored uh, academies uh, here in the states. And sometimes when young men come to me and they're completely lost and they don't have a male uh, role model, maybe dad's not in the picture at all. You know, one way that uh, men become men is through the military. So, did you learn? Uh, was that true for you? Did you learn some manly techniques uh, in the academy? Uh, well, if I just give a short answer, yes. Um, specifically, one of the things I think that they taught very well, because in your first part there of West Point, they only allow you four answers. Yes, sir. No, sir. No excuse, sir. And sir, I do not understand. And then they would give you impossible jobs to do. And then when you didn't accomplish them, they would say, why didn't you get this done? And your only answer was, no excuse, sir. And so what, you, what that did is, is it built into you the realization that when you have a responsibility, there isn't any excuse for not doing it. It's your responsibility. The buck stops here. You yeah, know, yeah. you are expected to get it done. And that's that, you know, in in our civilian world out here, we're just taught to make excuses and, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. you know, it's real flaky. And they really taught us to be responsible adults. So, yes, that was one thing that was a good lesson from West Point. So you're saying the not so good, the not complete lesson was that it was too limited in what you were learning. You were kind of forced into this narrow tunnel and, and to fit into that peg hole, so to speak. And uh, it wasn't enough of a, an understanding. Well, I don't know. At the time, I didn't feel like I was being forced in, you know, in, in, into something that was, uh, that I couldn't, I couldn't go with, except for the fact that I, I went to West Point as a Christian and I had kind of a, an image of the military that you would get from watching movies, Hollywood movies, mm -hmm. a glorified image, you know, thinking that all these generals were like respectable, like Robert E. Lee or something. And can't come to find out that the real military was not an organization that I wanted to be with as a Christian. Plus, you got your... Uh, I was not going to be, this was during the Vietnam War, the tail end. And it was clear because I was in the middle of my class, I was going to end up to be an infantry officer. And it would have been acceptable to me to be like a signal corps officer, like my dad had been. Mm -hmm. But I really didn't want to be responsible for killing people as a Christian. And, and that was another reason is, I really became a conscientious, I solidified my beliefs and became a conscientious objector while I was in the military. And that's one reason why I went to the Amish, is that they do not believe in war. 
Right. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that in, in a few minutes. Um, by the way, if you've just joined us and you're not familiar with the term Amish, uh, it's a Pennsylvania Dutch word. It's a group of uh, traditional Christian church fellowships with uh, Swiss Anabaptist origins. They are closely related but distinct from the Mennonite churches. The Amish are a group of tightly knit closed communities with traditional Christian beliefs that prohibit or restrict the use of modern technologies and conveniences, including electricity, cars, telephones, and modern clothing. The Amish live... Go ahead. Let me jump in here, Linda, Mm -hmm. because, see, that was one of the reasons why I was wanting to do what you're doing, and that is, you know, I was on the inside, and Every report that I've read written by outsiders, uh, I have, I've had problems with um, because they, they don't get it. But one of the things first that you have to understand is every congregation is independent and they make and enforce their own congregational standards. So you can't say much that is, is global or general that is applicable. But one thing you can say about all the different kinds of Amish is men are men and women are women. But uh, on some of the, and and when it comes to church history, no, nothing I have seen tells the church history of the Amish correctly. So anyway, that's why I was jumping in there is because um, if I was going to say some of those things, I would have said them a little bit different. But Anyway, uh, are, are you saying that some of these attributes do apply to some of the communities, but not to others, since they're independently governed? Well, yeah, it, it, that that that's one thing. Is that anything I say today when I'm talking about I, I'm I'm talking about one spe- for instance, there there are some communities where their young people, the teenagers, are totally well-behaved. They're all 100% saints. You know, I mean, you don't have any rebellion or any of them. But the Amish are not able to uh, protect themselves from the outside world. So there's, there's encroachments that the outside world makes. So there's some Amish communities where the young people that are teenagers a large majority of them are wild, and the, the communities have just come up with this, in my opinion, a false understanding from the world, and, and that is is that kids have to go through some wild stage. I was in Amish communities where there was no wild stage. The, the, the children were well-behaved their entire lives. There was no faction that was in rebellion. They never went through that stage. That's that's false. That's 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 something that the world has has falsely concluded is that children have to go through a rebellious stage. And some Amish communities have accepted that, you know, um, and they do have problems. Um, but what I would want to talk about on this show is the ones that are doing things correctly, you know. So how do you think um, the young people? in the Amish communities have has have escaped that uh, rebellion rebelliousness stage well one thing is is again because each congregation is doing their own thing there's some congregations and, and and this is just even back then it was beyond my comprehension and things have gotten a lot worse since I could not understand how anybody who's dedicated to the principles that they are, could allow their children to go to public schools. I mean, if I had a choice between a public school or an Amish school, and I taught taught school, I took, taught Amish elementary school two years. If I had a choice, I would definitely have my own school, you yeah. know? Um, but some of these communities, they're like, I don't know, their thinking's on a different wavelength than me. And they let their kids go to public school. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, to me, that's like inviting disaster. Um, Do you think it's because they want to expose them to the outside world? Is it, isn't there some sort of ritual or holiday where, you know, the kids get a free day off or whatever it is? 
um, no. to to mingle with the uh, the non uh, Amish community. By the way, the non Amish community. I think you were referring to it as the English. Yeah. No. There's nothing like that. No. There's no. There's some parents that when their child rebels and buys the car and leaves the Amish and starts acting wild, they they go through uh, uh, what what's it when you make an excuse uh, rationalize rationalization say, yeah yeah, yeah. They, they say oh well he's just sowing his wild oats he'll come back ha 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 you know it's but in the communities that are really functioning right no none of their kids are running off and doing something wild their kids have no reason to leave the Amish community because as as our discussion today is, is men are men, women are women. They have no divorce. There is zero divorce rate in the Amish. When I say zero, there is zero divorce rate in the Amish for no reason. And and why would you want to leave a loving, wonderful community that gives you everything that you need to go out into a dysfunctional world? You know. It doesn't happen in an Amish community that's working right. So maybe to know, show the the young people the difference, so they can come to that conclusion on their own that it really is very sweet at home. Oh, that they're making yeah. their own independent choice, not because you know the oh. church is telling them so. Yeah, the, the yeah, the Amish always allow freedom to their children um, to make up their own mind. They want. See, the whole principle of the Amish church, and this is where where you were saying Mennonites and Amish are different. They're not. Hutterites, Amish, Mennonites, they all came from uh, what was called an Anabaptist movement. The seed of the Anabaptist movement were believers down through the centuries that believed in a believer's baptism. Mm -hmm. Because you had the institutional church throughout Western Europe. You know, before the Reformation, it was the Roman Catholic Church. After the Reformation, there was both uh, in Northern Europe, it was Protestant. And in Southern Europe, it was the Roman Catholic Church. Those were the institutional churches. And both of them believed in, in infant baptism. And the Anabaptists were those believers that believed in a believer's baptism and believed about com that you needed community they had a whole number of beliefs. They believed in brotherly love, obedience to the word, a proper Lord's Supper, you know, confessing Christ to the world. They believed that the church is going to be persecuted. They had all these various beliefs. They're totally different. I, I see that's one of the things. A lot of the a lot of the uh, things that are written about the Amish say that they're Protestant. They're not Protestant. They're not Protestant at all. They're so different than Protestants. And that's one reason why I almost have to explain what they are, because people are going to think, oh, well, they're just like some Protestant. They're like Baptists or something. No, no. These people are totally different. And Mennonites and Amish are, are essentially the same thing, except with the Mennonites, most of those Mennonite groups have accepted cars. Now, the only group of the Amish that have cars are called beachy Amish. See, there are some Amish that have cars. Like, if you were to see a beachy Amish group and a conservative Mennonite group, you wouldn't be able to hardly tell them apart. But anyway, that's what I mean. It's it's like every congregation's kind of doing their own thing. But one thing can be said for sure: men are men, and they are so beyond. Anything that we see in our culture that, you know, and that's why I was telling you, you know, when I was in high school, I was an A student, rated 170 IQ, you know, as a, a sprinter, I was one of the top sprinters in Kansas. And then when I went to the Amish, these people were very intelligent. And my Amish fiance, you know, I was telling you, she could sprint, she could chase and, and chase me and run as fast as I could. And here I was, you know, supposedly an athlete. And the average man in this 
community that I'm talking about, the average man, Linda, could stand flat-footed, jump up in the air, do a backwards flip, and land on their feet, the average man. And they were always doing acrobatic stunts. And they loved to do physical things because from the time they were like three or four or five, they were doing work. And, you know, I was telling you about the three-year-olds would take the big bottles, uh, big milk bottles, and at three years old, they would feed the calves these big milk bottles. So these kids, from the time that they were very young, were learning a trade. They, were, they, felt, they felt needed. They felt like they were doing something. Like on this one Amish farm that I was a hired man on, it was a dairy farm, we had an Australian blue healer. And it's the same thing. When a dog knows that he's, that he's useful, our, our Australian blue healer used to run his heart out. He, he, he would be so happy to go bring up the cows. He had to bring up the cows. They were about a mile away. And he would, maybe a half a mile, three quarters of a mile. I never measured it, but it was a long distance. He would run his heart out bringing the herd of cows up. Well, the same way applies for people. When people, even when they're children, know that they're doing something, contributing something of value, and they're needed, that builds self-esteem and, and, and all this. You don't see any of this, this weirdness that you see out here in the world. And uh, they, they're just wonderful people. They really are. They're, to, to use the word saints, you know, uh, I, I took a girlfriend of mine who was a, um, after I left the Amish, I had a, uh, her father was a, minister so she was what's called a preacher's kid i said well let's go out and meet some of these amish so we went out to a a, a community meeting where there were 200 amish young people these are like upper teens you know like 18 20 years old she was absolutely in shock she said i can't believe that you could even find one young person that's so saintly and so godly as as this whole group the whole group was incredible, and she was just in shock, and that's what I mean. These people are good people, and not only that, but, you know, getting back to how men are men, uh, you know, how many men can, can just jump up and do something, a backwards flip acrobatically? Uh, you just don't see this. It's a specialized thing, just like in the world. I, as a sprinter, was something special. And yet, here my Amish uh, fiancé could run just as fast as me. They are very strong, intelligent, capable people. But this goes back to if you exercise and your body's healthy, you're gonna, your mind's going to be healthy. It helps your brain. You know, that, that's been proven scientifically. It's not just a, me speaking an opinion here. Is that the health of the brain and the health of the mind is directly related to the body. And, and if you've got good circulation and, and getting fresh air and, and eating good food out of your own garden, which they grow all their own food, they don't, they're not eating processed food, um, all these things contribute. So, uh, Contribute to being Should a stronger man or? as well, because you're, you're Are, saying that if you're... If your body is sound and and solid, that that makes you stronger overall. Your whole being is stronger. And, yeah, I know. And thereby it's not, contributing to being a stronger man. It's not politically correct to say this. In fact, one place where I went to talk, I, and I wasn't even going to bring this up about how the chemicals in our foods, uh, you know, the estrogens and stuff are are helping turn guys gay. But yep. it's true that the the food in our in our environment is seriously, you know, and these these electrical high lines. Um, I know some people that some men who uh, were sterile because they grew up under these heavy power lines, um, and I've warned people about that. I had one friend; she lived underneath it. Her her kids were getting cancer. Her dog had had cancer. I was trying to tell her, hey, it's the power lines. But you know, they they buy in to everything 
that the system or the world tells them. They can't, normal people can't comprehend that the world would lie to them. So they just, they just persist in their stupidity, even though it's right there before them. And, and, and so the Amish sidestep all of that neg negative stuff. They grow their own food. They live healthy. They get plenty of exercise. And so it's like uh, that I was working hard one day there on the dairy farm. And the, we, we all sit around for family meals. And when the family meal was done, the little five-year-old of the family, and, and understand there's like 10 kids, right? So there were other kids, but they had been working hard all day too. This little five-year-old Schnucky, he jumps up and he goes, and he said this with a smile. He was, I mean, imagine this in, out here in the world. He said, hey, I'll do the dishes. And I felt like, my, this little schnooky has been out there helping us. And, and I hate to see them because there were pots and pans piled high and all kinds of dishes. And I said, I said oh, well, I'll help you too. So, so I worked with them. But the little kid would have done it himself. More responsible at five years old than a 20 or 30 year old out here in the world. So by the time that, that they're 10 years old, they have been working with their father day in, day out. Because the Amish have a belief that not only should the mother stay at home, but the father should too. They want a father and mother there for the kids all the time. Now, they can't always do that because sometimes they can't set themselves up where they can make a living by farming. Maybe the father has to be a carpenter, um, and so he has to leave the home. But as much as possible, they want the father there in the child's life. And they want that child working alongside the father, learning all of these trades. Um, so that five-year-old that I'm talking about doing the dishes, if you had taken him out to the shop and you'd say, okay, get me uh, a chisel, uh, get me this kind of a saw, you know, get me a bandsaw, get me, get, get me uh, a ratchet, a socket, you know, get me a half-inch socket. The kid could have gone and got it, you know, at five years old. He, he, already he would be familiar was. with the tool, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, in, in our society, kids grow up as weeds, and they have no idea what they're going to do with their life. They have no skills. And the Amish believe that if you teach someone how to read, then when, if they they've learn how to read properly, from there on, they can teach themselves. And because they're so much in touch with the real world, the practical world, they know thousands, if not millions, of tricks to make real life practical and workable. Fritz, and on that note, I want you to hold that thought because I want to come back from the break with exactly that, um, tricks that, that you learned by being in the Amish community. Um, what do they do to make life work for them, to make life simpler for them? And also that you're, you're mentioning that their intelligence level is pretty high up there. So we mentioned food is, is a, a contributing factor, but I'm sure there are others. Uh, by the way, my audience, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We are currently talking about where men are men. We're learning from somebody who formerly was with the Amish community, uh, my guest today, Fritz Springmeyer. So we'll catch you right back after the break, and we're going to talk about more tricks to make life work for you. You've had a long day. You just want to escape the world, and you know just the place to do it. Round up your mates and head on over to Henson Brewing Company, Burbank's first craft brewery. Quality, complexity, and always easy to drink. Follow our progress and support us on Facebook and Kickstarter. Coming winter 2016. Henson Brewing Company. Come as you are. Hi guys, you've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. 
Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, real truth about women that'll change your life forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Now back to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM. Where men can be men. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Call in today. We're talking about where men are men. We're learning uh, from the Amish community, a former person who uh, lived with the Amish community for four years. My guest today is Fritz Springmeier. By the way, before we hop back into the topic, I want to uh, tell you about my holiday cyber deal. You have three days left. You can read any and all of my books for free. Uh, download them. Uh, and all the links, by the way, are on my Facebook fan page. Just go there. Um, you can get uh, uh, the men's book, which is Mastering Women, the women's book, which is Hitched in 90 Days or Less, and the small little business ebook. The C Factor. Um, download any and all of those. Keep your proof of purchase. Um, you have until twelve uh, ten, which I guess is on Saturday. So Saturday at midnight. And then if you write a review of any and all of these books, you will get a full refund. So free reading for you. If you want to um, pass this along as a gift, as a holiday gift to one of your friends, and they write the review, you still get the credit. You'll still get the book for free. Isn't that nice? So that happens until Saturday midnight, December 10. All right, so let's hop, hop back. Let's hop back um, into the topic here. We're, uh, we're talking about, we were just talking about tricks that make your life work for you. Fritz, briefly tell us about a few other things that you learned uh, to that regard. Well, I think one of the major tricks um, is just that they exercise as they grow up. Because if you use your muscles as you're growing up, it reshapes the bones in a totally different way. So that if, if somebody's a couch potato and all of a sudden at 14 they want to start exercising, their body is never going to be as strong as if you grow up exercising daily. So I had a friend, David Otto. He was five foot five. I think I, I never measured them exactly, but he had Charles Charles Atlas type muscles, and he had gorilla sized hands. The guy was strong. You know, if he had grown up out here in the world, he would have been a wimp. But the men had strength; they could do what was required of them. You know, uh, they could. A lot of times when you're out doing work. Uh, the ability to have strong hands or strong back or muscles makes the difference between being able to accomplish it or not. You know, so that was one thing that worked for him was these guys were just strong. And, and then they, uh, like, I, I uh, subscribed to Mother Earth News. Back then it was a very, it was like a hundred page magazine. 
And I had read in this one issue how I could make a, a, a device that I could take baling twine and it would spin it into rope. And so I made this device and um, I made some rope. And what I was living with an Amishman, his name was Amos, and he, for some reason, he was gone. Usually they don't travel very far, but I was taking care of the farm while he was gone. When he came back, he saw the rope that I had made. He was very impressed. So I showed him the device I had made off of this Mother Earth News. And then he goes, oh, okay, well, let me show you how we did it as I grew up. He knew a better way to do it, you know. And 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 so there's just, you know, I can't even, I can't even begin to say all of these, uh, you know, if you need to make a candle or if you need to do this or you need to do that, you know, they live without electricity and live successfully. Now, when I say they live without electricity, I don't mean that in a comprehensive way because they have batteries to run the lights, the uh, safety lights for their buggies. Um, that's required by, by, as far as I know, all the states that they live in require them to have lights on their buggies. So they, they do have some limited uh, uh, electricity that they're using, but they don't have telephones uh, in general, I'm talking about the Old Order Amish Mennonites. That's their official title of what they call themselves, Old Order Amish Mennonite. So there you see that the Amish called themselves Mennonites. Um, so you were talking a little earlier about uh, about the young child, I don't know, the four-year-old, five-year-old, whatever he was, uh, and he could discern the difference between the different tools. So are you saying, you know, on the one hand, I know they restrict the use of modern technology, but on the other hand, are you, they using tools that you would commonly find at, you know, Sears? Well, So doesn't yes. that go in the face of what they believe in? No, it doesn't. See... And it'd take a little while to explain it, but it was like, okay, let's look at cars, for instance. They they looked at what, is, what they're very wise. They're incredibly wise and, and very practical. And so when cars came out, they looked, what is the impact of cars going to be on our communities? Well, everybody's going to move away. And they're, they're going to be separate, and we're not going to have the community that we have. And then the young people, we're not going to have control because they'll jump in their cars, and they'll go off to a bar, or they'll go somewhere that we don't. There's all, and it's going to be, it's going to tie us in with Detroit. We're, we're not because we, we can make our own buggies, we can make our own harness, but now we're going to be dependent on someone else for parts and everything else. So they, right. they look at the whole picture and they go, you know what? Cars are going to be a negative for our community. They're dangerous. We don't need them. We want to keep our community like it is intact. We're not going to allow them. And everything in an Amish congregation is done with 100% consensus. They take what's called a rope That's, uh, you know, someone would do a forschlag, which is put a proposal forward and then they take a rope funded gamay where they ask everybody, women and men, um, to vote on it. And if they don't get a hundred percent consensus, it doesn't pass. So they rejected cars. That doesn't mean that they won't ride in a car. If they need to go to the doctor in some far off city and their neighbor has a car, they'll go over and they'll say, Hey, can we hire you as a taxi? to take us to this doctor appointment and they'll ride in the car. But so they you're don't saying that the modern technology tools is something that they came to an agreement with that, yes, if this would benefit our community and it's okay. Is that what you're saying? Right. And not only that, but because they're so practical, if you took an average Amishman and put them into a worldly house where there are refrigerators, electrical ovens and everything, mm -hmm. and you said, hey, I need this fixed, he could fix it. Because all of his life, he's done things that way. He knows how to fix things. Um, th so it doesn't matter whether he has one himself or not. He's still going to know how to fix it. Um, so one of the tricks that to, to make your life easier, I think, also would be the sense of community. Like if, oh, yeah. if you need to build that fence, 
and you have 20 of your church members come and help you Saturday afternoon, you know, whoopee, hallelujah. You know, try to get that done in Los Angeles and try to round up your, your friends or neighbors to come help, you know, to do anything in the garage or around the house or the yard. And you're going to be hard pressed to round up even two or three people. Well, and what sense of community makes the guy relax that someone else has your back, that they're going to help you if you need it. You know, you've got support. Right. A lot of support. The whole community works together to help each other. Exactly. Uh, One of the things that helps the men out is there's not all these false expectations put on them. Now, in our culture, they expect the man to meet the woman's emotional needs. I mean, sometimes that's why women divorce men. Well, he didn't meet my emotional needs. There's no way a man could meet a woman's emotional needs. Both of my grandfathers were farmers, and I helped in my teenage years. I helped on their farms. And my my dad's dad, he was a man, he was a farmer, but he was a, a man of very few words. There's no way someone like that who's, who's reticent and soft-spoken and, and quiet, is going to meet some woman's emotional needs. My, my grandmother was quite vivacious and, and uh, could talk up a storm. There's no way my grandfather could have met her emotional needs. Now, in the Amish community... So she, ha- she had a support system independent of your grandfather. Is that what you're saying? Well, in the Amish, they do. In the Amish... All the women get together several times a a week doing various things. Maybe uh, they're husking corn. Maybe they're doing a sewing circle or a quilt circle or something. They're getting together. And um, and while they're sitting around working together, they're chatting up a storm, you know, meeting each other's emotional needs. So because they have community like that, the man gets his emotional needs met by being around other men that are men. And, you know, it was like, like I was saying, how, how physically adept these men are. You know, it wasn't any of this namby-pamby stuff that, you know, you don't even see men like this in, in our culture. The few to men the, To the see, detriment of, of young men today, I think a lot of their problem lies in that they are not... Are, are surrounded by men in any way. Forget about their oh, real dad. Oh, you know, yeah. if if that were me, if that were my household, and the real dad took off or wasn't available or whatever, I'd be hunting down the next available positive male role model, uh, whether that be the uncle or the grandfather or the sports uh, coach or maybe somebody um, at the the re- religious affiliation. You know, that young boy needs male influence. So I think another thing that makes men strong is to be around men, uh, other male influence, positive yeah. influences, where I think you get that in the Amish community. You get it. It's supported. It's endorsed. And it's a very healthy way of bringing up the young men. Oh, yeah, exactly. And the women are not brainwashed into thinking, well, I need to be a CEO of a company and not have any children. You know, they go with with the the greatest job that there is in life which is motherhood and w- the women are happy to be women well concurrently you know in american culture concurrently huh? in american culture uh, motherhood is diminished as well it's a two-sided oh, yeah. you know it's the opposite side of the same coin um, let's bring on, I understand we have a caller on the line. We have David from Vancouver. David, welcome to our show. What What do you have to add to our program today? Hey, Linda. Thanks for having me. Hi, Fritz. Hi, David. <clears throat> and, um, well, I, I've been listening to this whole show, and uh, a couple things I, th- I felt like asking were, uh, how do we begin deprogramming ourselves once we become aware of, of how... Uh, emasculated we have become and uh, what specific things we can do. And then also, uh, do you believe that women have been socially engineered to accept the emasculated men in order to, to create a, uh, a weaker society that's uh, easier to control? Okay, well, the first thing as far as the deprogramming, Mm-hmm. Is deconnect from all of the uh, 
computer games and the television and all of that. Um, you know, because all of that is programming. When they, they say what program is going to be on the TV, yeah, they're talking about programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is there is just this constant bombardment from Hollywood where men are belittled and uh, feminine men are, are built up as something special. Pardon me? Okay. And, and then uh, on... On do I think that women have been socially engineered? I think that they have tried that, but honestly, it is instinctual for a woman to be attracted to a real man, the what they call the alpha type. Well, within the Amish, there isn't this alpha or beta type. They're all men, you know, and they're not men in competition because they have the Holy Spirit. They're godly men. So they're in community. They're not in competition. It's not like they're alpha males that are trying to kill each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're alpha males under the spirit of God, under the Holy Spirit, I guess you could put it that way. But that's what women really want. Women instinctually really want a strong man, a man who can make decisions, a man who's not a wimp. Instinctually, so I don't care about all the social engineering. It's failed because a woman instinctually wants a real man. But that part is true. But why? Why are the men succumbing to being uh, a weaker sex? Because they they have because of the chemicals in our food, because of the social engineering, because they have no role models, because they're they're couch potatoes playing computer games and watching television instead of getting out and developing their their muscles and and their health um you know uh just so on ho- hopefully on. there's a way out of this big mess because <laughs> it's really gotten way way out of control i'm uh, fritz i'm so sorry we're running out of time here thank you fritz for um being a guest on our show also thank you to david if um if you like this program show your love Listen, call, like our fan page, follow, comment, share, tell a friend, and buy my books on Amazon. We'll see you next week on the Men's Advocate Show every Wednesday, 